our Father. Thank you for this privilege that you have so extravagantly, consistently given to us again today to be gathered in this place. We are thankful. And Father, even though we come with varying degree of intellect, interest, and issues, you are the all-supreme and the all-sufficient God. And Father, it does not matter, it does not matter at all what we might encounter in life. For some of our brothers and our sisters, our relatives in the southeastern part of the Bahamas who have recently experienced a devastation as a result of the hurricane. And even for them, Lord, does not matter what circumstances they might find themselves in, that you are always watching, that you are always guarding, that you are always guiding us. And we thank you that in the midst of all of that devastation, you have, by your sovereign power, preserved life. And for this, Father, we are eternally grateful. Yes, we will have challenges. We will have problems. But in the midst of it all, we can be cognizant of this fact that we are never alone because you promised us that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. This is nice. Aha. Uh -huh. I believe there must be some truth to the statement for that Pastor Brian mentioned that there is some joy or some delight when the word Walmart is mentioned. It seems like people like Walmart, but it says that um, this being here today is better than Walmart. Some of you don't think so. <laughs> well, um, I'm hoping that what we, and I share with you this morning, that you might at the end of our time together might place at least Walmart or one of those other places in a secondary position to the person who I believe really should take first preference and first place in our lives, and that is simply God our Father. You know I'm going to speak to you from the book of Psalms this morning. In the first chapter of Psalm, it says, Blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or the wicked. It also says, nor stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers or mockers. But his delight, and sometimes we use this word, but I'm thinking and have been thinking, maybe we have underestimated the import of this word, delight. But his delight 
is in the Lord of the Lord. Because it is in this Lord that he meditates both day and night. And so for today, I want us to meditate on his word. Today, blessed is the man who delights himself in God. Is that true? I believe you believe that the Bible speaks truth. The Bible is truth. I was struck by the beauty of the passage that I was, and I believe God had impressed upon my heart to share with you today. I was struck by the beauty of this passage and its didactic or twin nature to instruct and also at the same time focus on delight or pleasure. If you see a man says he's going to work in the yard and he takes with him a rake, what do you think he's going to do? Isn't that right here? Which means, I'm assuming there's something on in the yard, leaves. Yeah, he's going to rake leaves. However, if you see another man say he's going to work in the yard and he takes a pickaxe. Certain places we call another thing, I think there's something called a grubble. Ah! Yeah. If you see the man takes a grubble or a pickaxe and he goes in the yard, what do you think he's going to do? Dig a dig a If you see a man with a rake and a pickaxe and say he's going to work in the yard, what do you think he's going to do? Hide a body. <laughs> Very good. You see why I like coming to church? <laughs> we have some criminal minded people. <laughs> um, those of you who are seated next to her, <laughs> you have been forewarned. When you read through scripture, you could, because we've become very, I guess, over accustomed over familiar, we just rake through it and just go on the surface. I want us to take our pickaxe, our grubble, and we want to dig in a little deeper because it's easy to do. You know, we can memorize the psalm, we can memorize different parts of the scripture. I was talking to a man who picked me up on Friday, you know, and of course, he mentioned the word church. And I said, uh, so do you go to church? And he said, well, see, uh, yeah, I go now, but see, you don't know what my life was like before. And I didn't have to say amen because I'd never met this man before. And then, but he said something. Then I said, you know, something is amazing how we repeat things, we memorize things by rule. I say, for example, we say the Lord's Prayer, our Father, which art in heaven. When I say our Father, embedded in the word our Father, it is suggesting that you and I have the same Father, right? And I said to him, if I come to your party, and I said, um, our brother, brothers, assuming that we all are, we related, at least we have the same mama or father. And when somebody says the Lord's Prayer, our father, is it really the people who you're talking to really know God as their father or not? If I say father, yes, that's meaning yes, but is it our father? Now we know spiritually speaking, we can say every human being on earth is God's child, right? Say yes. Yeah, 
Yeah, watch me. I'm giving you a clue. Yeah, because they are by creation. Yes, because we know, we, we say, we preach, God created everyone and everything. So yes, from a creative point of view, God is everybody's father. But spiritually, there is only a select crew or persons who fall in that category. And so when we say, my brothers here today, my brothers and sisters, generally I'm thinking about you being born again. You are spiritually bought. You are now in God's spiritual family. And we need to understand. But sometimes when we approach scriptures, we just drive by, you know, uh, like, suppose that thing you take, say, oh, it's an apple. An apple a day um, keeps the doctor away. It ain't true, by the way. <laughs> I know some people, some people eat a lot of apple and they sing the doctor every day. You know, so it isn't true. Some people read a scripture a day and think that's their cure, but they're just skimming across the surface. They're not digging deep. My purpose today and this morning is to convince you that God is gloriously a superior satisfaction, better than Walmart or any other thing. I want to say this up front as well. Everything you do was for a selfish reason. That's, you won't disagree with me. Yeah, I can see it by the way you're looking at me. But we have been designed to pursue joy. I'm going to use delight. But sometimes it is misplaced. Have you ever used the word wow recently? Wow. What makes you say wow? Have you ever heard the word or used it yourself recently and said amazing? That's amazing. Have you ever used that? Wonder what it was for. Have you ever used the other word? That's fantastic. That's stunning. Have you ever used the word, that's incredible. That's awesome. What were you talking about? What were you seeing or tasting, <laughs> touching, that caused you to use those words? I want us to focus this morning on David. Now, you know David, um, king of Israel. Before that, of course, a shepherd boy. That is the one who killed that big man um, with a stone. David had a lot of issues in his life. He suffered a lot from the hands of ungodly men, unscrupulous men during his lifetime. And now he shares with us some advice on how we could react when we come or become victims of wicked men and their schemes and their venomous tongue. Has anyone ever said anything to you that hurt you because of what they said? Mm-hmm. And some people, and you know none of what they said was true. But that doesn't matter. They found some way that, hey, if it hurts you, I feel good. So David had a lot of these experiences. If you read through Psalms, you will hear some serious things in there about what happened to David. David is talk straight. Do you remember the time I told you the young man who I woke with? He told me, he's talking to me straight talk. He said, I talk straight. Now, you ever saw cricket talk? Because I always thinking opposite, you know, opposite. But David went through a lot. And he wants to share it with us today. I want us to look at Psalm 37. I will read the first eight verses. But I will zoom in on one. But just go through the first few. Psalm 37. Psalm of David. 
Fret not yourselves because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the known day. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. Attends only to evil. Fret not attends only to evil. Do not fret and be envious towards wrongdoers. Some people think that's easy for you to say. I is fret. I have the fretting genes. I is a fretter. And they sit up with some sense of <laughs> comfort. They say, I can't help myself. You ever hear people tell you, say, uh, I is only human? That's a surprise. You didn't know that before they said that, didn't you? <laughs> Some people ask the question, how could a good God allow good things to happen to bad people? And then bad things happen to good people. That's enough to make people fret. Because I could. And that person already bad. And they look happy. And... I am happy, and I good, and you say God is good. That's caused man to fret. On Andrew's we says, make man I read. <laughs> okay. Know this though, that any good that the wicked, whether that's positional um, power or goodness, whether that's by wealth, or just share power over others, please know that that wicked man and his possession is only temporary. That's comforting to me to know, that that will not last. So then I don't really have to fret. And even though we have this direct instructions here not to fret, there are some of us who will still fret in the face of this clear directive, don't fret. First, we must allow ourselves, again, the psalm starts off by saying, fret not, not fret. What does that mean? So fret. You, do you worry? Doesn't the Bible say that it is a sin to worry? And when you worry, when you fret, you are sinning. You can't help yourself. It also means to fuss. You ever get vexed? You remember when we used to say, when we were short on certain places, we talk about vexation? Now, we, it really is supposed to be vexation. But you know, by the time I get to from Bohemian going through our little ears, that gone from 
station to station. You know, so it's Vex station. I have a station where I go to get Vex. You know, I have a Vex station. That's right. Some people agonize over and over the same thing. Then there is this other term. They upset and they are troubled. And you ask, what's, what's going on? Child. I remember I told you before, every time somebody starves a child, watch out. <laughs> but don't become fretful or don't let your vexation get up in a titsy over evildoers and what they seem to have. The danger is that we will lie in bed at night and rehearse the whole outrageous episode. First, we think of all of the things that they said to you. And then with that thought comes the feeling that you felt when they first said it. Then you go over that over and over again. Then you start thinking, maybe if, maybe I should have told them peace of your mind. You shouldn't be giving away peace of your mind like that. But you know, but you you think about what it is they said to you, and you said, maybe I should have said this then. That would have taken, that would have put them in the place. And then you start mulling this stuff over and over you, some other choice words you wish you, sanctified words you may have said to this person. Sooner or later, your digestive juice turned into sulfuric acid. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Some people can't eat. Yeah, they can't eat when they're upset. The, the thing takes their appetite. They threaten. And so they lie in bed. They toss. And we say they turn. All night. Can't sleep. Ask them in the morning, what are, do you have a good? No. What up? You know what she said to me last, yesterday? That was yesterday. You, you fret about, yes, worry, and you replay it, you rehearse it over and over again. David says, fret not. The Bible says, don't fret. Let me say it another way. God says, stop it. <laughs> don't do it. Do not fret. But it goes on to say something else we shouldn't do. Be not envious of wrongdoers. What does that mean, envious? Because some of you say, I am even nobody. The Lord is good. Yes, he is. But envious, are you jealous? Resentful? Spiteful? Covetous? These are connotations of being envious. We are not to be envious of the unrighteous position or their position. Instead, we are to trust in God. And when I say trust in God, I mean to place everything, your reliance on God, your full confidence, your expectation, your hope in God. And then after doing that, do good. Trust in God and do good. Now this deep Distrust is deep and abiding reliance on God who has promised to punish the ungodly and reward the righteous. You're righteous, right? So be patient. God has everything under control. God cannot fail. He cannot fail. His word can never fail. Do you remember 2 Chronicles 20.15b says, Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours. You know it. It is the Lord. But why are you going out here fighting with your conch shell, you know, and your sharp mouth? The battle is not yours. It is the Lord. So step aside. Watch me.
That is cruel. Who was holding the camera to, wa to watch their little child and didn't explain that the child had a shadow? That is so cruel. And they put that on the internet for the world to see. But did you notice that the, the baby, the toddler had a, something in her mouth? What's that? Ah, yeah, I think you all say. What is it that the toddler had in her mouth? A pacifier. We never use a big word on Andrews. We call it a comforter. <laughs> it is a um, comforter, yeah. But, and that comfort, that pacifier was no help when she looked down. And if you see something, but see you later. We laugh at that. Some people laugh. Some people, you know, I won't be surprised if there's a human rights group. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> and protest, saying, yeah, you should not use scare that All of us, let me say it this way, there is a, a ready, well, you have a vehicle. Most cars are equipped with FM, that is your frequency modulation, and AM, that is your amplitude, modulation in a car so that when, by the way, you know there are radio waves all over this place in the room, right? And so if you have the right transistor, you can pick up these sounds. So every, most cars nowadays come with this system, there's, there's these frequencies so they can pick up AM, FM radio station, except a certain car, I won't call the name when I point over there. But um, If, do you know also that you also come wired with a certain frequency? The frequency is called delight or pleasure. You have come born in the world preloaded for pleasure. Now some of you are trying to look what they say, sanctimonious, holier than thou. But you have come pre-wired for pleasure. And I'm going to prove it in a moment. In other words, delight is a standard feature or capacity in every human being. Blaise Pascal, who was a French mathematician and inventor, a physicist, a human or a Christian philosopher, he says these words, and I quote, All men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and others going or avoiding it is the same desire in both, attended with different views. It is the motive of every action of every man, even of those who hang themselves. End of quote. Everything that you do is designed to bring you pleasure. Now you're thinking, I'm sure about that. Give me a moment to think about it. Do you know that there are some people who put on makeup? By the way, I would have called the name, but if I did, you might know it is Zena's husband, so I ain't gonna tell you. But if, 
I, I, he said to me recently that in a certain island, I don't know nothing about the island, I can talk about Andrews, but this island, I'm told, was over there. Um, it, they call it Spanish Wells. That there was a girl. I don't think it applies to all the girls. But there was a girl there, and he asked me, he said, why is it that the girl put lipstick on her forehead? Now, see where I come from, we never call it lipstick, we call it rouge. <laughs> see, that was back then. So I couldn't figure out, why would you put lipstick on your forehead? And then the answer was, because she couldn't make up her mind. <laughs> it's just weird, you see? I, I didn't know that, you know. But everybody does something, whatever it is you're doing, to make you, to get some pleasure from it. And then you can prove it, like I said. Everything, if you move everything away from it, it brings you pleasure. You ever told a child who's doing something in, I'm thinking school, that's my default position, but in your house, if they did something well that pleased you, what do you normally say? Good job. Good job, yes. Now, 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 why, when you say that, what is your intent for the child? To encourage? Now, first of all, do you know sometimes we do that when we give a compliment, it isn't true. We really don't feel that way. In other words, we lied. Don't let nobody hear that. But sometimes you do that, but it is not genuine. But everything that you do, the bottom line is when you move everything away, it's because you have some pleasure. When I mentioned earlier, as Blaise Pascal mentioned, we're wired that way. The person who says, I want to join the army, I like fighting for my country, they get an intense pleasure from that, going to the front line. I don't want to sit in no office. And then there's the other person who's saying, I hate war. I will never get me, I'll die for it before I go. They have the same thing. If you question them in detail, you will find out basically the motive is the same. One has pleasure in going, one has pleasure in not going. Same. That's the way we are wired. But Psalm 37 verse 4 says this, delight. Delight, what does that mean? It is a high degree of gratification. It's an extreme satisfaction, great pleasure in, joy, exuberance, complete contentment. So when I ask you, have you been delighted recently? You should smile a while and give your face a rest. Delight yourselves in the Lord. I see D for delight. I see yourself and I start with a Y. So I see a D-Y, I see I and N, I see a T for the and then Lord. I'm going to take that out, the, the D or the the out of that and says D-Y-I-G. You dig it? That's D-Y-I-G. That's just like two I in it. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. My brothers and sisters, is that true? 
does God expect you to be delighted? But watch a little small word in there. In the Lord. Because you can delight yourself outside of the Lord. Other things other than God could and does delight us. But the admonition we are getting to this morning from this particular psalm is delight yourselves in the Lord. Indeed, if you consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised throughout the Bible, it would seem as if the Lord finds our desire not too strong, but rather too weak. We are too easily pleased with what is fleeting and what is carnal and what is temporary. And God wants us to up our level of the light in him. There is, my brothers and sisters, a connection between delighting yourself in God, your satisfaction, your praise, your glory, and your worship. Think about this. Would it not thrill your socks off or whatever else you might be wearing if you could be certain that God, the eternal God, is always satisfied with you. Just think about that. God, the eternal God, is always satisfied with me. The thought of that makes me want to shout. Say hallelujah. But this is God. John Piper said this once, that, and I quote, God is most satisfied in us when we are most satisfied in him. What? God is most satisfied in us when we are most satisfied in him. But why? Why should we be even satisfied with him? Why should we be satisfied with God? By the way, Colossians 3, 3 says this, for you and I have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You accept that to be truth, don't you? You and I have died, thanks to the world, the flesh. Our life now, this new life we have, is hidden. Visualize the word picture here. Our life is now hidden with Christ. That's your life. And that life is then placed in God. Oh, I like that. Just the visual of that. You're, you're, you are secure in God. Now, but again, why is it that we should be satisfied with God? Think about it. We may have taken it for granted. Don't you know that God is all-powerful? Yeah, that's, that's some comfort. This is the God who can create, has this creative power just by the words he says. That's powerful. He has resurrection power. He sustains everything by his words. Now that's powerful. Everything that you see is held together just because he says so. Because then if he chose not to do that, he can reverse it. And I won't see you and you won't see me. And it doesn't take much for you not to see me. Okay. Okay. But God is holding everything together just by the power of his word, 
all of the atoms are being held together just because God says so. And it stays together. The seat you seated on because of God's power. But you take it for granted. And if it doesn't work because of the defect in the furniture or because of your weight, you blame somebody else. But God <laughs> holds everything together by the power of his word. But he's also personal. That's good. That's amazing. He's transcendent. That's our God. He's also ever-present. He is here. We sing it sometimes in our chorus. He is here. Really? And he is there. He's ever-present. Do you know that God knows everything? He's omniscient. There's nothing he does not know. He affects season. He affects time. He puts up kings and takes them down. Those who think they're smart, whatever that is, God gave them the wisdom. That's our God. He's also sovereign. Some, Dave, sorry, Daniel 4.35 says that God does what he wills. If God decides he's going to put his hand forward, no one can stop it. If God decides he's going to arm wrestle, he's going to win that. There's no one who can stop his hand. Now, I know in some of you, when you're boxing, and he, if God's throwing a blow, he's going to hit his target. Let's just make sure you are not the target, you know, because God cannot lose. God is sovereign. He is also holy. God is absolutely holy. God is truth. He's righteous. He's just. Isn't that good? He's love. He's merciful. Don't we all need that? Getting from him something we don't deserve. Huh? Grace is attached. <laughs> he is faithful. And you don't have to worry about whether or not he's going to change his mind. He is to see him yesterday, today, and forever. Why should we be satisfied with God? Think about all of this. When you are in God, all of this comes along with it, the total package. That's enough to get excited about. So when you are delighting in God, and when God becomes the delight of your life, there is with you this inner strength to continue and to engage in ministry straight to the end. So you're not easily discouraged by what's happening on the horizontal because you know that your delight is in God. When Jesus was in the garden, was he delighting? Let me give you a clue. Was it painful? But was he still delighting in his God? Because he knew that this was a process. He was looking back, as we say, he was looking at Sunday because there was going to be a resurrection. Not only that, he's looking even beyond that. He was looking to this moment because there you and I, had it not been for Calvary, you and I would not have been here. This is an amazing thing to me that God gets pleasure from us. How could that happen? When he is the ultimate source of all pleasure. But here it is. He gets pleasure from us when he sees us being pleasurable or get, receiving his pleasure. I understand that grandparents like their grandchildren. That's true? Most of them. Just to make sure I don't 
covered some period. And they seem to have this intense, indescribable joy, so says my brother Paul Lowe. Yes. You know, with his grand. Look forward to that. You know, he wished, he said before, he wished he'd had his grand before he had children. You know? Because of the joy, the immense, indescribable joy that they bring into his life. But it's an amazing thing. If he wants to be happy, he gets an intense joy just watching them be happy. And he have a reciprocal reaction to that. You see him bubbling and bouncing all over the place because they're happy. It's incredible. I thought about that. And that's how God, in a very minimal way, see us. When we are happy in him, he is happy. And that's almost crazy. When we are pleased with him, and we see those things we talked about, when we appreciate his holiness, his truth, his love, his righteousness, his justice, his mercifulness, his faithfulness, his never-changing position, his all-powerfulness, his wisdom, and we bask in that and we say, wow. God then almost a while back, do you know God smiles? It says a little loud more than that, he laughs. I'm some of you are going to be shocked. Some of you don't laugh. And you find out that God's laughed, you want to change your address. You must follow what scripture says. Here's it says. When delighting in God is the work of our lives, there will be an inner strength for ministries of love. Straight to the very end. God is passionate to be glorified, and we are passionate to be satisfied. In one experience in Christ's exalting act, we call that worship. Singing here in the sanctuary and suffering in the street. What? Singing in the sanctuary, and there those are brothers and sisters on the southern islands, and we've mentioned earlier, may not have a physical structure for them to, today to go into as they would have had in the previous months, years, to come together and worship. If they do, it's maybe in a makeshift or some other form. Can they still delight in God? I hope they can. And if you have the opportunity to connect, to talk with them, please direct them to this passage, delight themselves in God. Imagine this, when we mess up and we should get punishment, we get mercy from God, then he should automatically then get to glory. We get the happiness, the delight in him, and he gets the praise and the honor from us. I believe it is unbiblical and arrogant to try to worship God for any other reason than the pleasure to be had in him. And really, if you are not having any pleasure in God, any pretense to say you are praising God or worshiping God falls away. Flat. It isn't happening. Not in his gifts in God. Praise should be motivated solely by the happiness or the delight we find in God. How could you praise God when you really are not satisfied or delighting in him. The more delightful we find God to be, the more praise should flow from our lips and from our lives. In other words, you should be hoggish about praising God. You should be hoggish about delighting yourself 
in God. Charles Spurgeon says this, and I quote, wash your face every morning in a bath of praise, end of quote. Do we praise him every time you get up? You take that for granted. I shared with my Sunday school class this morning a similar thing. You were sleeping, I think, last night, however short or long that was. Those who were fretting, they may not have had a shut eye. Stop fretting. But while that was going on, God was sustaining you. And so when you were conscious enough to open your eyes, shouldn't you just say, thank you, Lord? Even if your arthritis kicking in, thank him for arthritis too. That is arthritis, arthritis, because that's what some people is calling. Whatever's wrong, still thank God for who he is. So you start the morning with praise, but that will only happen if you truly delight yourself in God. And throughout the psalm, you would find the directive, the exhortation, the provocation, and the demand to praise God. So we should then get our praise on. Notice that all of the enjoyment spontaneously flows from praise. When a person is in love with another person, they tend to be very fluent with their compliments, right? Yes. Some people read a good book and they want to, uh, I guess, encourage you to read it. They will big up the book. If it is about sports, those who love sports, you know, the people who are actually playing the sports don't know you or know them. You know them so well. You spend so much time studying them, their name, what they do, their likes, their dislikes. Then we say these are sports fanatics. You know these people and who play these games very well. But listen to how they talk about them. They have complimentary things to say. What about service? You ever been someplace and you've been given good service? What do you say? This is nice. You say you should go there. We recommend. What about dress? Sometimes the way some people dress, you are so impressed, so um, intrigued by that. You say some that is fantastic. Where'd you get that? Why would I tell you? Then, the, well, I'm just sorry. I'm sorry. But 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 some people will compliment you on your dress. They will compliment you on your behavior. That was wonderful. You know, uh, we tend to do that. That's a natural, if it is real or authentic. It only happens spontaneously because we saw, we heard something, and they just, like sometimes, you, some of you hear good music, some music moves you, and some music paralyzes you. <laughs> yeah, yes, you know. But, but, you know, and in this setting here, for some people, even if they hear good music that, that is really doing what the music should do, some of them won't move, they crump. You what? If you look under the table, you see the little pinky toe wiggling. But that's about as much as they will, you know, express themselves. Right, Sister Anne? Amen. <laughs> think about this, my brothers and sisters. In the when you think about the Bible and what it has to say about these words, does it not delight you when you think about this salvation? Your salvation. Make personalize it. Salvation. Savior, faithfulness, forgiven, love, life, justified, joy, 
Jesus. Good God. Glorified. Reward. Redeemed. Hope. Blessed heaven. Comfort. His coming. Prayer. Praise. When you find yourself in the presence of the Most High, the omnipotent, the omnipresence, the omniscience, the eternal God, God Almighty, you will undoubtedly recognize that he is supreme value and therefore spontaneously and irresistibly respond to him in giving him praise. That only happens when you find yourself in the presence of the Most High, the omnipotent, the omnipresence, the omniscient, the eternal God, God Almighty, you will undoubtedly recognize that he is of supreme value and therefore spontaneously and irresistibly respond in giving him praise. There is a song that comes to mind that captures the essence of this truth, and it goes like this, and you know it well. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and turned me around, and how he placed my feet on solid ground, it makes me want to shout, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Lord, you are worthy of all the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. What is praise? We should praise him, you know. Praise is speaking well of God. A living church is a praising church. Someone has once said that praise is gladly paying rent to God for his abundant mercies. No praise, by the way, is adequate to the abundance of his greatness, but yet he accepts such adoration from such as we are, as men can render. Praise him, I say, in the sanctuary. Praise not merely expresses the, merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. In other words, enjoyment or delight is incomplete until it results in praise. Do you dig it? Do yourself this praise. Do yourself this favor. Delight yourself in the Lord. There's a story told of a man who dreamed that an angel escorted him to a church one Sunday. There he saw the keyboard musician playing vigorously. The praise team singing, the musicians playing their instruments with gusto. But the man heard no sound. The congregation was singing, but the sound was utterly muted. When the minister rose to speak, his lips moved, but there was no volume. In amazement, the man turned to his escort for an explanation. This is the way it sounds to us in heaven, said the angel. You hear nothing, because there is nothing to hear. These people are engaged in a form of worship, but their thoughts are on other things, and their hearts are far away. God is not worship, 
where he is not treasured, where he is not enjoyed. And so if you are here and you're really not enjoying the person of God, don't lie and tell someone you went to a worship service or you went, you were worshiping. You were not. God is not worshiped where he's not treasured and enjoyed. Praise is not an alternative to joy, but rather an expression of joy. And so not to enjoy God is to dishonor him as his child. God is glorified by our joy in him. That joy is God, in God, is the very thing that makes praise to God an honor to him. Not to do so is hypocrisy. Joy is not a mere option alongside worship. It is an essential component of worship. We have a name for those who try to praise when they have no pleasure or no delight in the object of their praise. Just like the child who you say something complimentary, but you know it's not true. We call them hypocrites. In conclusion, my brothers and sisters, I admonish you, don't fret about evildoers or wrongdoers. They and their temporary pleasures will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herbs. Instead, trust and delight yourselves in the eternal God who, according to Psalm 16, verse 11 says, have made known to me the path of life, who have filled me with joy in his presence with all of the eternal pleasures that are to be found at his right hand. End of quote. My brothers and sisters, when you come to know that God is truly all you really need, he is the ultimate satisfier, then you will want to join me and to bust out a praise like David did in the last Psalm 150. And I want you to join me um, as we say this psalm uh, responsively. Praise the Lord. Praise. Praise him. 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 And all together, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Again, praise the Lord. Amen.